2 Timothy chapter 3 is our text uh, where we're taking the end time series from, so I want to read it again. Uh, but Paul speaking to Timothy, his uh, spiritual son, he said, But now this, know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. They'll have a form of godliness but deny its power. And from such people turn away. For this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gobble women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. They are men of corrupt minds, disapproved concerning the faith, but they will, be, they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifest to all as theirs also was. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, my manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and Lystra. What persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, all those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And the, from a childhood that you have known the script, Holy Scriptures, which were able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Second Timothy chapter 3 here that speaks to us about end time events. God, we pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to understand clearly what you're saying to your church, Bethesda, here today. God, let us live a life that's godly, that's pleasing to you, and that we could be a light to others that we come into contact with. In Jesus' name, everybody says, Amen. So the end time events, we've been studying through several weeks thus far and got a couple of weeks yet to go. But uh, so last week uh, we let the missionaries came, uh, come and uh, spend time with you and speak to you from their account and what they had going on. So last week's sermon is going to be compacted with today. So enjoy yourself. Just go ahead and take your seatbelt off and kind of kick your legs back and rest back a little bit because there's two sermons in one. So I got you for two half-hour segments instead of one, so it's going to be an hour. Uh, well, hopefully not. We'll get done here quick, and I'll put both of them into one and hopefully get the points across that God wants us to have because God doesn't want us to be ignorant concerning these end-time things. He wants us to be knowledgeable, and he wants us to be able to explain our biblical doctrine of what we believe as a church and as individuals so that whenever somebody says, well, what do you believe about the end times? Me as a pastor want, or I guess it should be I as a pastor, want you to be aware, there's an English teacher in here, so he's, he's looking at me smiling right now. I want you to be aware and explain, be able to explain, maybe not quoting every scripture and knowing every bit of it, uh, but I want you to have a generalized term of what the end times are to know what you believe because you need to know that. I want you to be wise for salvation, and I want you to be able to know those things. 
So we've talked about all the events leading up to a certain point. So in the church today, we should be expecting the next event on God's end time calendar. What would that event be, Josiah? Huh? Him coming down. Where are we going? Up. What is that known as in church terms? The rapture of the church. So the next event on God's calendar is the rapture of the church. We all got that, right? We've, we've went through that. I've labored that long enough. I won't beat you over the head with that any longer. But we know there's going to be a rapture of the church. Uh, then what? Jillian? The tribulation. Awesome job. The teenagers are knocking it out of the park. The tribulation. How long is that going to last? Seven years, two segments of three and a half years, right? So we've got that down. Man, we're nailing this. Rapture, you guys did better than the Vanceburg Church all combined. You guys are doing really well. I'm glad so you two are here. I think it's because they're drinking briary water now. They, they moved up right across the road from my home place where I grew up, so now they get to a, get a live over there. So I think it's that briary water coming out just makes you so smart. I mean, you just... You're just going to make straight A's this year in school, just kind of automatic. You're just going to be aces and not even have to. Well, you still got to try. Uh, so rapture, seven years of tribulation. What's that going to be like, Elizabeth? What's the tribulation going to be like? Bad? How bad? Is the first year, three and a half years, going to be worse or the last three and a half years? Last three and a half years. Why? Antichrist is going to be revealed, mark of the beast, make you get 666 in your head or hand, all kinds of bad stuff happening, right? It gets worse the second three and a half years. He's going to shut Walmart down. You can't buy there unless you got 666. He's already got a Jeff Bezos by the hair, too, who has no hair. And he's going to make him not let you have an Amazon account and get any food there either. So it says in the Bible that you can't buy or sell, right? So the Antichrist is going to shut it down. That's going to be your credit card basically to get anything is your 666 number so he's got you locked down where you're going to be in trouble if you don't so it's bad times the last three and a half years but as we're going through this and kindly in chronological order and I'm putting it down hopefully in clear enough terms that we understand rapture tribulation seven years two years two segments broke up three and a half years each right then what that's where we're at today now what We've got that down. We've nailed that. We, we spent four weeks laboring that out, and we're good with that, right? Now what? So biblically, rapture the church. The church goes with Jesus in the sky. Everybody point up. You're pointing up. That's where you're going, up, right? That's what you said. You're going up. So Jesus is coming on a cloud. He's going to get the church and say, come with me. So we're going to go up there somewhere. I don't know where that's at because as we're pointing up today, there's a church over there in Japan that's pointing up. It's the exact opposite direction. It's up there somewhere. I don't know where. I can't explain all that, but it's up there somewhere. And that's how big God is, I guess, that everywhere you point, he's up there. That's how big he is. So as this is happening, he takes the church out. It's bad times in the world, but we're with Jesus. That's going to be awesome. We don't have to put up with the Can I talk like you talk on the street? Are we that different in a church than we are on the street? So I don't think so. 
You're going to have to put up with the crap of the world. You don't have to do that anymore if you're in heaven. Amen? I don't have to put up with this anymore. Why? Because I'm going to be with Jesus. It's a lot better where he's at than what we're dealing with. I guarantee you that. So he says we're going with him. So as we go with him, we're up there with him. But now the people that's left on this earth that's left behind that's not Christian are going to be going through hell on earth, basically. All kinds of turmoil and tribulation happening. There's plagues, there's bowls, there's wrath, there's horsemen running around, and it talks all those things in Revelation as you read it. That's what's happening during that tribulation period. But then, now what? Seven and a half years are over. The Antichrist is gaining steam. He's picking up more believers. More people are getting 666, getting marked. The more people he gets in his posse, the stronger he thinks he is. It's kind of like us. We're pretty brave about church when we're sitting in church. Right? We can all be Christian pretty easy in here. But whenever you go out there one-on-one -on -one with your workplace, it's a little harder to live it, right? It's harder to live out your Christian faith and harder to stand up when you're by yourself. The Bible says that a two-fold strand is not easily broken. Two or three-fold strand. Because whenever you weave something, just like sticks, you pick up a pencil by itself, you can break it. Put a group of them together, you can't break them. That's why you need church. That's why you need community. That's why we have connection groups. That's why Cindy wants you to go kayaking with her so you can get together. And as you're floating down a creek and talking about what's going on in your life, they know how to pray for each other, right? Whenever we go golfing, the Bethesda Golfing Association, it's about going, connecting with other people. Hey, Sammy, what's going on? Well, the kids are acting like hoodlums at school. Not to say nothing about you guys or anything, but right? That's what connection groups are for. So as they're talking about what's going to happen at your house, it's a connection group. Why? Because Christians hang out together. We strengthen each other. It needs to happen. It's cool. It's a good part of life. But as this is happening, the enemy right now is kind of alone, but he's picking up steam. He's picking up more people. So the more people he gets in his posse, I don't know if you're allowed to say that in church, are you? Posse? It's like maybe that's rapping terms. I don't know. That, Whatever. So he's picking up people. He's recruiting. And the more he gets, the stronger he thinks he is. And there comes a point at the end of it that at the end of these seven years, he's so headstrong and so caught up in his own ways that he thinks he can defeat God. He's already been defeated once. It says in Isaiah the prophet, he, Isaiah the prophet prophesies and says, I saw you, O Lucifer, fall as lightning from the sky. Did you know the devil used to live in heaven? Do you know he originated in heaven as an angel? That's the Bible. But he was up there one day, and Lucifer in his mind was the archangel, and he was the one that was kind of the head choir director. Basically, if you want to read through Scripture, it talks about these sounds that would come from him. So he was like the choir leader. And one day he was sitting there, and he's like, I think I'll just take over God's throne because I don't like my little throne anymore. And the very instant, I believe in my mind, and according to that scripture is, that the very instant that he thought in his mind, I'm going to take over and I'm going to control God, you're in trouble, pal. Amen? Some people say, well, there was a fight in heaven. I don't believe there's a fight in heaven. God is so all-powerful, omnipotent, that anybody that's in opposition to him is automatic loser. And when the devil was kicked out of heaven, it wasn't a battle. God wasn't fighting. He just kicked him out. 
It's kind of like you with a title to your house. If somebody comes to your house and says, I'm just going to sleep in the bedroom over there, you can say, no, you're not. You're getting evicted. Why? Because I own the title. It's the power of the title. God has the title to heaven and of earth. The enemy has no control over your life today. You can't say you're messing up because the devil made me do it. He has no title to you. Amen? We belong to the Lord as a Christian. Now we've given our life to Jesus. And if we give our life to Him, we're basically signing our title over to Him. And now He has us as a possession. And the devil has no rights over the possession of God. As a Christian, you don't have to worry about the enemy taking over you or you becoming possessed by the devil. It cannot happen. The only way it can happen is for you to turn your back on God and say, I want my title back. And when you get your title back to yourself and you're going to be selfish, like it says in the last days we will be, at that point the devil has a right to come and steal your title. Because you've given up on God. It's scary. The Bible says if we turn our back on him, that it'll come seven times worse against us, the enemy will. Think of the hell you've already been through and now you become a Christian. I don't want to go back and get seven times worse than what I had before. Amen. God, you can have my title. Here I am. I'm yours. Use me. Do with me whatever you want. So, the enemy gets all this power, control in his mind, but he's already been through this once. And we believe that insanity says that to do the same thing over and expect a different result, right? That's the, that's the definition of insanity. To expect to do the same thing and get a different result. If you swing at a ball too high every time, you can't hit a ball, right? Or if you swing at a ball every time, not a strike. You're going to have a hard time hitting. If you continue to do that, you're not going to have a very good score. But if you do something different and you listen to the coach, you'll get better and then you'll start hitting then your batting average will go up. You'll be able to swing and hit. Right, Lathan? That's what you wanted to do with that softball up there today? That was your intention. What did I want to hit? You walk up the plate wanting to hit. That's what you do. So as this happens, the devil is thinking he's going to do the same thing he did before, but he already lost once, and he thinks he's going to do it again, but he's going to win this time. How foolish. It's foolish to think that you're going to do the same thing and get a different result. If you've always been failing at something, do something different. If you're failing at life, do something different. That's pretty easy. But the enemy is going to come at the end of this seven-year period, and he's going to look up at God, and he's going to say, I dare you to come down here because now I've took over the whole world. Everybody's got 666 wrote on their head, other than the ones that's got the name of God that it talks about in Revelation chapter 7. But he's going to say, come on down here, big boy. See what you get this time. You might have got me last time, but I'm going to be like Rocky this time, and I'm going to get you. No, sorry, it ain't happening. So it talks about the great battle, the Megiddo battle that we know in Scripture that it speaks of, that there's going to be a battle there. What's going to happen is Jesus Christ in heaven with us. We're going to be, you going to be there? You, you going to be there? You, you're going to rapture, right? You said you was about three or four weeks ago. You, you're going to rapture, right? You wasn't here. You going to rapture? Okay, she's going to too. Josiah, she wants to go too. So we all want to go there, right? So as we're in heaven with him, we're preparing for the battle. So what, what else are we going to do while we're there? 
Well, the Bible talks about in Rome, or Revelation chapter 19 that there is a marriage supper of the Lamb. Has anybody ever been to a wedding? Sammy and Kelsey just had a wedding a while back. You go to a wedding. What happens at a wedding the immediately right after? The reception, which in other words is called a party or a hoedown, right? We're going to... We're gonna have. We're gonna get with it. We're gonna shake a leg. You know, we're we're all gonna have a good time. Everybody's happy, and it's all good, right? So you're gonna have a good time. That's what happens when Jesus comes and gets his church, who is his bride. We're gonna have a party those seven years while everybody else that's left behind that didn't take Jesus as their savior now is gonna be here going through tribulation. It's gonna be the exact opposite for that for us in heaven, and we're gonna be partying. It's gonna be a good time. Are you ready? How many's ready for a little bit of peace? Amen. How many's ready for a little bit of sound mind where you don't have to worry about the turmoil going on? It's just going to be great, man. Let's, let's go. And this stuff wows me when I think about it that I want the end times to be so simple for us that when we think about it, it's just, it's just like common sense. A lot of people are scared to talk about end times because they think it's some faraway mystical sci-fi movie that Ernie watches or something. I don't know. It's different than that. Bible's pretty clear about telling us what to believe about the end times. Sharknado is not going to happen. Well, it might. Who knows? Seven-year tribulation, they can have Sharknados if they want them. I don't know. So we're going to be having a party. It's going to be a great time. But at the point when the devil finally shakes his fist at God and says, I dare you come at me, bro. It's on like Donkey Kong. The Bible talks about in Revelation chapter 19 that the church and those with Jesus Christ, it talks about these white horses and all these people in white, clothed in white, linen. That's us. It's a symbol of purity with us. And it says we come to do battle. When Jesus comes back for the second coming of Jesus Christ on this earth, he's coming back with a host of saints with him, and we're coming back and we're going to win the war in an instant. You won't have to raise a sword because the Bible says that a sword comes out of his mouth. And that is the word of God. And the minute he says, enemy, your day is done. The battle is over. It's the Lord's. It's over. Amen. You don't have to list a sword. You don't have to do anything. It's just over automatically. This is wild stuff to me. I'm wild by this. It makes my heart literally start pumping faster. Literally. I mean, my heart, I'd hate to know what my heart rate is right now because it's beating out of my chest thinking about this. How awesome is that, that we serve a God that cannot lose a war? He cannot lose a battle. And we're on his side and he's on our side. Amen? He is here with us. And we come to do this battle and we're with him and we're riding behind him and he comes and he takes over. At this point, at the end of that tribulation, it says he locks the Antichrist up and he throws him into this bottomless pit. Pretty simple, right? Everybody say, now what? That's what I'm trying to teach you is the end times, right? You want to know the end times? Everybody wants the end times series. The only thing Pastor Ben can teach you is the simple-minded way because that simple mind right here can only understand it in simple-minded ways. Rapture church, seven and a half years. Seven years or a little bit more according to if you count the days and all that. Three and a half, three and a half. Battle of Armageddon, the marriage supper of the Lamb. There's also a... a, a, a Beam a seed of Christ that happens when we go to heaven. 
And that Bema seat, when that's seven and a half years, seven years while we're gone, uh, he's going he's gonna to judge us according to our works. And I call my mother-in-law all the time. I speak badly to her because that's what I get by with. And I call her a jewel thief. Don't I, Karen? I always call Jaren a, Karen a jewel thief. And the reason I say that is because you can't say anything that you want done that she won't tackle it, even if you tell somebody else to do it. I can tell Jill, I want you here Thursday morning, and I want you to clean this church. I need you to vacuum. Jill's like, okay, I'll come and do that. Karen will run down here on Wednesday and vacuum the church to beat Jill to it because Karen's a jewel thief. The Bible says that we're going to get jewels for our crowns according to the works of righteousness that we do on this earth. Those people that's down there teaching, those kids today in children's church, are gaining jewels for their crown. Whenever you offer your home for somebody to come to and have a connection group, you're putting jewels in your crown. Everything you do to serve others on this earth for Jesus Christ, you are gaining jewels. Amen? Amen? So in that Christ, judgment seat of Christ, when he does that, he's going to look at you and he's going to tell you, well done, thy good and faithful servant. I'm so happy for you. And guess what? All these jewels, that look at your crown. We're going to stand around and look at each other's crown, and I hope mine's got more than Karen's when I get there. <laughs> Amen. I hope I've served more. It's going to be an awesome time. Just think about it, Pap, how wow it's going to be when we stand before God and stand there with our Jesus and say, I did it for you, Jesus. I loved others when others didn't because of you, Jesus. It's what we should be as a church. Man, I want, I want a church full of jewel thieves. I wish we had so much people doing so many things that it was like the biggest jewel thief and deception in, ever in history as a church. Amen? That everybody here serves and gives and gives of your time. And Donna and Greg rushing to come over after, after being over there and to come in. There's like, I'm late, but I'm going to go ahead and go up and play my guitar anyway. Why? Because I want some jewels in my crown. Amen? Show up late if you want. Still going to get some jewels. It's awesome. That happens during that tribulation while we're in heaven with Jesus. But at that moment, whenever Jesus comes back and he takes over this earth, the great battle of Armageddon happens. It's over in an instant. The enemy is locked in a pit. And we're with him. And the Bible says when his foot touches the top of that mountain in Jerusalem, that earth is going to quake. Think about how wild this is that we're going to witness this stuff, church. Wow, we're going to be with God, and he's going to be with us on this earth. I want you to stomp your foot. I'm not talking about some pie in the sky, some faraway dream. I'm talking about Jesus Christ ruling and reigning on this earth that we're here with right now. We're coming back with him. And man, he's taking over. And then the Bible says in Revelation chapter 20, now what? We know it, don't we? Rapture. Seven years. Three and a half, three and a half. Battle of Armageddon. Jesus wins. We're with him. We're wearing white. Now what? Can it get any better than that? I think the Bible says yes. Because it says he will rule and reign on this earth for a thousand years. In Revelation chapter 20, a thousand-year millennial reign of Jesus Christ as king of this earth. He's going to set up judges. 
It talks about it. He's going to set up rulers over areas, and it won't be a democracy. You're not going to get a vote. I know we as Americans love to vote, and I love voting. I love the freedom of me being able to vote for my leaders. But whenever Jesus is king, we don't have to vote because his word is the law. It ain't a suggestion. It's the law. How good is that going to be that Jesus, our king, is on this earth ruling with justice? How many hates injustice? You should. There should be a, a righteous indignation come up within you whenever there's an injustice towards another human. Amen? If somebody's being wrong, the church should be the first to step up. And I can tell you right now how I know America's flawed is because they let people, human beings, own other human beings for a hundred years, the first hundred years of our nation. How sad. Is that an injustice? I hope you say yes. Everybody start shaking your head. I don't want you sitting there like I don't know. I hope you know now that was wrong to own somebody else. The church was silent and wouldn't say anything because they was afraid that people wouldn't bring their tithes to the storehouse. Guess what? I don't worry about the Bible offending you whether you're going to tithe or not tithe. Why? Because God is the provider of Bethesda. Amen? And I'm going to stand up for injustices. Why? Because God tells us to. The church should be the first to stand up and say, this is right and this is wrong. Some people might not like it. That's okay. I don't want to offend you. I'm just telling you the Bible's right and we're all wrong if we believe anything other than it. Jesus is going to rule like that for a thousand years and you get to live that long. Everybody just looks at your neighbor and say, wow. You're going to live a thousand years, little sister. Wow. What's that going to be like? Absolute glory. It's going to be where we sing hallelujah around the world as a chorus. And Leslie won't have to beg you to say, close your eyes and sing. Let it rain. Let it rain. Why? Because he's in charge. And how awesome is that going to be, Cindy? With the king that loves me. Wow. What's it going to be like? I can't tell you everything. I just know that it's going to be wow. And you're going to be in awe. And it's going to be awesome. As we're going through all that, what can I have to teach you about when I talk, first brought up this end time series, I told you I want to teach you about end time things but give you a principle to live by now. I don't want you waiting for eternity. You're living in eternity right now. Do you understand that? You didn't begin at birth. Can I tell you that? You didn't begin at birth. You have always been, and you always will be. The segment in which you live as a human with the body, a physical body, is now in time. 
Did God not tell Jeremiah, I knew you before you was in your mother's womb? Before. How awesome. And then he says, during our lifetime, he knows the numbers of our head, hairs of our head. He cares about us more than a sparrow. And then he even knows our eternity in future. You have always been and you always will be. End times is about learning how to live in this segment known as the dash on your tombstone. What'd you do with it? You've heard preachers preach that. What'd you do with your dash? Because my date of birth was August 16th of 1976. And if I went and bought a tombstone today, they'd go ahead and put a little dash on it for me. And they'd leave the other part blank, won't they, Pat? Because they don't know yet when I'm going to die. Nobody knows when you're going to die. Your dash is what you're doing now. And I want to preach about end times, and I want us to be a church that's smart about end times. But the deal is, what are we doing now? And I can talk about how good it's going to be for that thousand years, but what are you telling me, Pastor, about right now? So the only thing I know to tell you about that segment of a thousand years that I could come up with is how to live as a Christian long term. How many agree with me that it's hard to be a Christian? Amen. It's hard to be a Christian. If you don't say it's hard, then apparently you ain't trying very hard. It's hard being a Christian. Why? Because you got neighbors. They get on your nerves. Amen. You could try to have a connection group at your house, and your next door neighbor might come and say, I can't believe they're all there being a Christian. They ought to go to church. We don't have church. Why, why are they doing that? Why are they coming down this creek praying here in the middle of the creek? Why, why, why? It's hard. It's hard being on a job, right, Ryan, and try to be a Christian and all that bunch of cussing and going on and telling jokes and all, everything going on around you. It's hard. And this is just for our little dash. We're going to be Christian with Jesus for a thousand years. It's hard to get in the click club at school being a Christian. Isn't it? It's hard to be popular and be a Christian. They put you down. I can't believe that. Well, they talk about abstinence. I can't believe they even talk about it. What's wrong with the church? There's something wrong with them. Dusty, am I right? Standing up for God is hard. But the Bible says I can do some things through Christ that gives me strength when I need it. It says I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. We can do what we're supposed to do. But the deal is, during the, I want you to be a Christian forever. Every person in this room, I want you to be a Christian forever. I don't want you to get in this thing when something's going bad in your life and coming in and getting on fire for God and doing stuff. And, and this, you know, a couple years in, you're like, hey, that's kind of old news. And I ain't worried about that Bethesda Golf Association anymore. I don't have to worry about that anymore. That's, that's kind of old news. That, that wore off. The new wore off. The glamour wore off. I used to feel and raise my hands during worship and kind of felt the presence of God, but I've kind of been here two years now, and I look up there, and they're just playing music, just like going to a Rob Zombie concert or something. You know, just kind of... I don't want the new to wear off on this. I want you to be in this for the long term. And the whole deal of combining these two sermons together, I think it was an absolute good thing from God. 
Because I can tell you about trying to live long term as a Christian and how hard it is and all those things. But I found, as I was studying for this second part of this, and what's going to be in a two-minute segment. What time is it, Leslie? 12.30? I'm 34 minutes in. That's pretty good. For me. <laughs> I'm a 45-minute preacher. I'm sorry. So it's 1,000 years. And then the great white throne judgment. This is the last part, and it's where that the Bible says that the sea will give up its dead, and God is going to call everybody before this great white throne judgment after the thousand-year millennial reign. And when he calls everybody on the carpet, it's not going to be in family groups. It's not going to be everybody from Garrison, come on up. It's going to be you alone standing before God I've heard a preacher say this and I've said it all my ministry there's going to be no grandkids in heaven you're either a child of God or you're not and I'm sure Pap would love every grandkid he's got and every kid he's got to make heaven their home they got to work out their own soul salvation Pap you can pray for them and I'll pray for them with you but they have to make their own choice because when they stand before God, it says in Philippians chapter 2 that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's not an option. And it's not going to be God sitting there on the throne and saying, hey, if you don't care, do you care to get down? Care to bow? ain't going to be that. You're going to bow out of awe of who he is and the light that's coming towards you that you can't see through. A piercing light that, that tells the time of all your dash. And you're going to be there like... And the Bible says that in Roman, Revelation chapter 20, it says that whenever this happens, this great white throne judgment happens, that there's only one thing that God judges you by says the great book was opened, the book of life. And when he judges you on that day, there's only one thing that he's going to take into account. If your name's in the book, or if it's not. That's pretty simple. That's the kind of simple God we serve. He won't put more on you than you can bear, it says in Corinthians. Simple as that. Is your name in the book? Or is it not? How you get your name in the book? That should be our question right now, right? I, I want my name in that book. Amen. Why you get your name in that book is believe in his son Jesus. Yes. That he came to this earth, lived a sinless life, died on a cross just like that, hanging up there, that symbol. Went to the ground, was buried three days, and arose again, and ascended to heaven to prepare a place for us. If you believe that and confess that with your mouth and believe it in your heart, it says in Romans chapter 10, that you shall be saved. Which means your name shall be in the book of life. That sounds too simple, don't it, Sammy? It's like, man, being a Christian has to be harder than that. Living in the dash, it is. But when you're standing there that day with that book, that's the only thing that matters. Did I believe it? 
Did I confess it with my mouth? If you do, your name's in the book. You don't have to worry anymore. Should you wake up every morning and say, God, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, and I plead your blood over my life for the sins I committed yesterday? Absolutely, you should every day of your life. But the key to living that long-term Christian life is this, just like the old church used to do. And we haven't done this here at Bethesda in a long time, a long time. How many wants to know the secret to living Christian and remaining a Christian and staying a Christian all the way up to the rapture and all the way up to that end time? I'll tell you the secret. What it said in Philippians chapter 2. Every knee will bow. Cindy, you've been to those old churches up the hollers. When you go to those old churches up the hollers, they say it's time to pray. What happens? Everybody gets out of their chair, they get down on their knee, and they bow their head in that seat, and they begin to pray to an almighty God. I want us to practice. If you want the key, that's the key, I believe, to living as a Christian long term. It's positioning ourselves to show reverence of God. A submission to God. Do you know Muslims get on the ground five times a day and bow their head on a blanket to a God that died 1,400 years ago that's still in a tomb? Jesus ain't in the tomb. How long has it been since you've been on your knees saying, God, I reverence you. And out of an act of submission to you being king, I'm going to bow my knee. I want us to practice that. So if you can, at all possible, and there's some people that can't. Now, if, if, if you've got some kind of health issue that you can't, then that's fine. You can bow your head just the same as you can bow your knee. But I want us here today, get out of your seat. I want you to get down on one knee or two knees, and I want you to put your head in that seat. Everybody here. And I want you to pray to God and ask him for forgiveness to ask him to help you be a long-term Christian. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to serve this great and awesome church known as Bethesda. It's not about buildings, but it's about people. And God, as you have taught me this week that this is a position of reverence of you, God, I know that every person in this room is bowed on their knees right now. And as they begin to, begin to pray, and God, as they begin to offer their sins to you, their shortcomings to you, Lord, there's some people in this room right now that has a health issue going on and in this position that you've allowed them to get in right now that out of humility, they're asking you to heal their body. God, I pray that your word would accomplish what it's set out to do. You said in your word that by the stripes of Jesus that we are healed. God, I pray for healing of every person in this room, of any physical ailment that they have, that their body has, that your word would take precedence in their life. And God, for those that are lost, that has never accepted you as Savior, Lord, they're praying right now and they're asking you, let my name be in that book. 
write my name in that book. I don't want to stand before you someday and be left out. God, become real in their life. And Lord, this position of bowing, let that be a daily routine for us as Christians. A position of reverence. That we're in awe of who you are and what you mean to us in this life. God, help those in this room. Maybe that is straight away that's been walking this path that thought, you know, I'm, I don't know if I can do this much longer. And today they may have walked in this room and said, I don't know what this is doing any good. Why am I even here? God, I pray that you would awaken in their heart, just like you said in the beginning of Revelation, that they would renew their first works over. And God, as they offer themselves to you today, God, renew within them a right spirit and a clean heart. God, help us to be the people you've called us to be. Lord, you've asked Bethesda to be a light in this community. And help us as individuals to do just that. Lord, let us gain jewels for your glory. Not for ours, but for you. In Jesus' name. Amen.